Hello and welcome to an episode of Case Champion Conversations, a knowledge mobilization initiative showcasing case studies written by McEwen professors and interviews with their community partners, and in this case, students. Case studies are real business problems brought into the classroom to help students apply their academic studies to professional practice and explore how they might solve a similar problem in the future. These conversations are part of McEwen's 50th anniversary celebration and illustrate one way we achieve teaching greatness through scholarship and teaching that is grounded, relevant, trend-setting, and in the mix. I'm Brittany Eklund, and with me here today is Professor Dr. William Way and Kimberly Howard, and joining us over the phone will be Dr. Mike Henry. Dr. William Way is a professor of international business and played an instrumental role in the McEwen School of Business's EFMD accreditation. Kimberly Howard has more than 15 years of experience in post-secondary institutions with administrative leadership roles, including strategy development, project management, and quality assurance. And Dr. Michael Henry is the Dean of the Bob Gallardi School of Business and Economics at Thompson Rivers University. His career spans the nonprofit and private sectors with experience in government and academia. Today, we're talking about the case McEwen Goes Global, internationalization at a Canadian business school. Dr. Wei, we'll start with a short introduction to the case and then put some questions to Dr. Henry and Mrs. Howard. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Brittany. Uh, as we know today, lots of business schools are facing multiple challenges in internationalization, given the new world phenomenon such as deglobalization, tech disruption, and pandemic. Internationalization of higher education calls innovative and also digital approach for Canadian business schools. My Cuban school business faced with the task of internationalization for the last decade. The task is very difficult as the school is implementing a strategic move towards becoming a degree-granting institution. And if we look back in 2009, and today, the, the world is changing. And that's why we have this case study on my Cuban goes global. And I want to start with a question asking Mike and Kimberly, why did you want to write a case study for McEwen Goals Global a couple of uh, 15 years ago? Thank you. Well, Kimberly, I think um, when we worked there, we, were, we realized that we were the first business school in Alberta to move from a two-year college to a four-year degree granting. And this was a trend. And that lots of schools were looking at the international context uh, both um, study abroad, student outbound students, and uh, recruiting students. And we had some experience um, with our Asia-Pacific program. But I think in conversations with you and I, we said, well, let's actually develop a strategy. And then we met Elana Lon, a visiting scholar. Kimberly? Yes, so uh, Dr. Alon really helped us uh, conceptualize our strategy and thought it would be really helpful to write it down, uh, talk about it, and it would also potentially provide guidance to other business schools in similar situations. Thank you. Thank you, Mike and Kimberly. My next question is, uh, when you plan to internationalize uh, the business school here at McEwen, what are the key considerations at that time in uh, 2009? in terms of faculty, staff, students, and also senior administrators? <laughs> That's a, uh, an interesting question because I think Thank you. it was so new, uh, Kimberly, that we figured we had to get everybody on the side in order to make it work, right? Yes, we really tried to get as much and as wide-ranging support as possible. So that was everyone from senior admin right through to students. Wow. 
That's a lot of fun. And it was, it was interesting, William, because um, we, we had some good advice and had some good experience that told us mm -hmm. that we had to have a plan. We had to have a strategy, at least. And we had to be very transparent because there's all sorts of um, myths about what internationalization does and, you know, anything from we displacing uh, domestic students, which is not accurate, um, uh, to uh, weakening ac the academics, all those things. So mm -hmm. we wanted to be really transparent with everybody and have a lot of conversation. I think, Kimberly, we talked until we couldn't talk anymore to, with, with all of our stakeholders, right? And, uh, yes. About why we were doing it and what it would mean and, 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 and how we were going to do it, eh? Yes, and then we also talked a lot about how do you support people through this type of change. So there were lots of changes with internationalization. It could have been the curricula, the faculty member makeup, uh, student body makeup. So just helping people understand that was really important. Thank you. And I think, Kimberly, we really, if I can, we really focused on giving people the tools and, and the exposure. So we had faculty, even though we were hiring a lot of faculty from international from around the globe we had faculty whose travel had been primarily to holiday resorts and mm -hmm. so uh, we wanted them to have the experience of travel and so we sponsored a lot of faculty and staff um, to go along with students to um, outward bound study tours mm -hmm. um, so they could have that experience that students have and i think it kimberly it worked we got a lot of people kind of turned on about uh, what internationalization could mean Absolutely. We were really able to, to move the needle from where it was to where we wanted to see it go. Yeah, thank you. That's really great to know. And my next uh, you know, question is coming back uh, to the when you have already a strategy and you operate it very well. And did you find some challenges, opportunity existing uh, like uh, 14 or 15 years ago in 2009? Yes, there were a lot of challenges, but some opportunities as well. So one of the biggest challenges we had, William, was attracting international students and faculty members. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was because uh, other provinces and other institutions are better known abroad. There were also some intercultural challenges. So we had some professors who weren't used to having international students in their classroom. And then conversely, the international students weren't used to the norms of a Canadian classroom. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we, yeah. that's absolutely, Kimberly. And we had all sorts of uh, um, support in, in trying to address that. Um, uh, I know that we had, uh, one of the things that amazed me was when we started trying to network um, with international, other institutions around the world, the number of very senior academics, people from Paul Beamish, um, Mary Teagarden from the Thunderbird School, Paul B. Mishkin from the Ivy School, who really helped connect us with faculty and with um, um, uh, with um, experiences. Seaman Dolan from Asada really helped us. And I think another key part in overcoming some of that was um, uh, we had a dean, Elsie Alford, and our president, Dr. Paul Byrne, and our provost, Dr. Janet Patterson-Weir, were 100% behind the strategy. And they really helped us, not only in terms of encouraging words and resources and money and all of those things, but they believed in it. And that made a difference. Yeah, thank you. And uh, back to our case, because Tetis is uh, written in uh, 2008 and published in 2009. And today, you know, a lot of different uh, things happened and across the world. 
And can you highlight some of your uh, experience in terms of handling challenge opportunities today for uh, business school internationalization in Canada? Thank you. Well, Kimberly, I guess some things are the same, some are different. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest uh, changes in terms of opportunity is that ca Canada's pathway to immigration through education has changed, and this has made it far more attractive to international students. So that's been really helpful. Uh, some of the other things, though, that have been more of a challenge is that international student recruitment is, is quite competitive, not only nationally, but uh, worldwide. Thank you. Uh, and you have to have the networks and you have to have the, uh, you got to be out there being very uh, assertive, if not aggressive, and in, in, in attracting uh, high quality students. And um, and then, of course, one of the other things, and maybe this is not new, but um, there's always conflict in the world. There's always economic challenges in the world. And so, um, and COVID was very difficult where students, um, um, couldn't go home because of conflict or because of economic situations or health situations. And I think those, um, that kind of thing, we think about an international student coming to Canada, wanting to make a life in Canada, but wanting to bring their families at home and then not being able to finish or not being able to go home. And there's kind of um, the stresses on there that impact their academic um, performance. And mm -hmm. uh, that's a challenge to support those students. For sure, yes. And I met a lot of international students also here in McEwen, and they have, as I agreed, all kinds of different challenges, not necessarily only academic, but also maybe uh, integrating to the life of the local and mm -hmm. also, yeah. And my last question is, uh, how both of you find your overall experience using IV cases? And uh, I, I guess in your faculty, you might also have a lot of people using case studies. How did you find the experience using those cases with students and faculty? I can tell you right now, uh, it's a very positive experience um, because they are well thought out cases that have good teaching support and they are meant to teach. Um, and the other thing I, I think, um, I think Kimberly, when we were writing this, it really made us reflect and really made us think about what we were doing. Absolutely. So writing a case is a really good um, I mean, how many conversations did we have because mm -hmm. of writing the case? Months and months <laughs> worth. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so the cases are, they're a great tool to grow as an academic and as a, um, a post-secondary teacher. Um, and they're great to be using. And, uh, and Ivy, of course, is the top standard. If I know, and I've, and a lot of my colleagues, use, I see the bills, frankly, as a dean for all the Ivy cases. And, uh, um, they're top quality, and they're uh, they're the go-to place uh, uh, for uh, teaching materials to help bridge that that um, that river, I guess, from that um, uh, from the theory to practice. And I really enjoy developing and writing cases. I find there's a strong engagement with the material. So, because the students are going to be looking at it, you need to examine it from all the different angles. And the more thought you can put into it, the better written it will be. The better written it will be, the better the learning experience will be for students. But in terms of actually teaching with case studies, 
I think it's very helpful mm -hmm. to show business students that there's usually not one answer. Yeah. So it's not like their math course where there might be a math question and there is mm -hmm. a right answer. So they have to look at a number of different options, weigh them, and then make a, a case for what they've decided to do. And this often happens when they have incomplete mm -hmm. information. It's normally a complex, ambiguous, sometimes volatile, often uncertain environment. And I think it's important to point out that this is even more so when they're doing international business. This has been an episode of Case Champion Conversations. Support for the conversation is provided by McEwen University's 50th Anniversary Celebration Committee, the School of Business, and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications. Case Champion Conversations are created by William Way, Mike Annette, Markaran Gulawani, Teresa Chica James, Claire Dang, and Victor Bilodeau. And this episode is hosted and produced by Brittany Eklund, recorded and edited by Dylan Cave. Executive producer is Ray Barie.